You are listening to the 3 and D pod. I'm your host, Justin Lewis. Joining me as always is Mr. Benjamin P. Hogan. Sir, how are you? All right. Uh, a little disappointed we're not talking about actual games, but uh, it is what it is. How are you doing? Yeah, I've, I'm good. Haven't watched a second of basketball since the Grizzlies got eliminated. <laughs> um, I watched Ole Miss eke their way out of the super uh, out of the regional into the super regional and been watching Atlanta uh, take two out of three from the Dodgers. So my other sports are going all right. Uh, that's that's fair. I've been watching a lot of the playoffs. It's it's been fun for the most part. I mean, I know no right now uh, the Nets are taking care of business against Milwaukee even without James Harden. So it looks like it's gonna be tough to stop the Nets even if they lose one of their big three. Yeah, uh, actually, I think I lied. I did watch Luca and game seven uh for a little while and then when i realized that Kawhi was going to end it i just went on to something else so yeah so we are end of season in the off season and uh they've already had their postseason media days and uh all those good things and gbb is headed into their player review season where the writers will uh write up some reviews and this year we're doing a format change where it's gonna be a little bit more feature oriented than uh, this just stat dump on some guys with a report card type feel. So be looking uh, at grizzlybearblues.com for those. I know Ben's got one coming up soon on on Dylan Brooks, and uh, I've got one on DeAnthony Milton. And then uh, Ben wraps it up towards the end with with Brandon Clark. Um, yeah, so we're gonna tonight we're gonna dive into the roster, and uh, we're gonna talk about. You know, the surprises, the disappointments, and uh, we'll talk about what we think should happen going forward with some of these guys on the roster. Uh, we'll, we'll jump into it with Ja Morant. Obviously, Ja's Ja, uh, second year in the league. Um, you know, people asked him about improving his three-point shot, and his response was, like, nobody can tell me <laughs> what I need to improve on. Like, I have confidence <laughs> in my shot. Um, for me, as a coach, I'd like to see a little bit more air under his shot. It's a little flat at times. Um you know, second year in the league, he didn't come in as a shooter. So the expectation for him to be a shooter this early is a little unrealistic. I think the one area of the game that has to change for him next year is his percentage of the free throw line. As much as he drives to the basket and if he if he's going to get those calls, he needs to uh, execute at the line. Um, but for a second year player, it, it's safe to say that Jaw is already probably the most talented player that ever put on a Grizzlies jersey outside of Allen Iverson, maybe. Uh, but that was post-prime. Allen Iverson, of course. How about Arenas? Give him a little love right there. Yeah, well, Arenas played a little bit. Yeah. Um, so what, what's your takeaway on, on Jaws' sophomore season? Uh, I think it was a success, and you got to love the confidence you saw from him throughout the season. I mean, I, I felt like he had a little bit of a lull there, uh, I guess, around the All-Star game. But, I mean, they were playing a lot of games in a, lot, in a <laughs> small amount of days uh, pretty much all season after the, the COVID stuff. and the confidence, not only on saying, hey, I've, you know, don't tell me how to shoot my shot. I got confidence in it to, you know, I'm a top five point guard in the league. And he kind of showed that uh, or the potential of that in the playoffs. Like basically the first game after it, uh, it, it was kind of like thrown back into his face. And then pretty much after that, it was okay, now I see why he says he's a top five point guard in this league and or why he feels like he is. Uh, yeah, his three-point shot does need to improve because not only does he have confidence in shooting it, 
other teams have confidence in letting him shoot it. And that's not something that you want to see. I mean, he, he improved. Uh, it was a little bit better in the playoffs, but you want to see more of that. Other than that, I mean, he's, he's heading to superstardom. And I think we are, we're seeing the, uh, the seeds have been planted for that. And I, I just think uh, if not this year, next year, he's going to be an all-star within the next two years. Uh, if not this upcoming season, I don't think there's a doubt about that. Yeah. So we go from, Obviously, Mike Conley, who had the nickname Captain Clutch, um, to John Morant going to a total different level in the playoffs. Um, it's like when the lights were shining the brightest, he's at his best. You know, you, in the in the Portland play-in game last year in the bubble, uh, he went off. And then this year in five games in the playoffs, he played 40 minutes a game, almost 41, and averaged 30 and 8 in the playoffs for a sophomore like the kid is barely legal enough to drink and he's out here giving work to the league and and making his case for a top five point guard and and in some arguments depending on what you look for in a point guard or what you classify a point guard you could say that he could be top five but if we're talking just the, the main the primary playmaker or ball handler for a team he's not there yet but he is on the fast track uh, to be there for sure so you know Morant there's no discussions about, you know, where he's going to be. He's going to be a Grizzly for, you know, at least a decade. I got one more thing to say on, uh, on Ja. Uh, it looks like he's going to be part of this next generation of superstars. And the good thing for the Grizzlies is he's going to continue to play with a chip on his shoulder because everybody's talking about Trey. Everybody's talking about Luca. People are going to start next season. They're going to be talking about Zion again. Ja's going to be kind of in the background and he's trying to fight for respect. And I think that's why one of the reasons he made that comment where he's a top five point guard is to get people to pay attention, but he's going to keep playing with the chip on his shoulder. As long as people keep talking about those other guys before him. Well, Kendra Perkins is going to always going to show him love. So at least there's that. There's that, but it yeah. just seems like, you know, Ja's already been forgotten. It's Luca and Trey and Luca's eliminated already, but people are still talking about him. So I just think that's going to be interesting. Yeah, so um, let's move on to um, let's move on to Kyle Anderson. Um, Kyle played the second most games on the team this year at sixty nine games. Tyus Jones led the team in seventy played. Um, he started all sixty nine games that he played in, and you know I've said it a couple times on the podcast before. I am one that for the last two seasons has attempted to trade him on every trade machine uh, trade possible. And um, just get to see, as Parker has mentioned a lot, what a full offseason for somebody to be healthy looks like. The man was could arguably be one of the most valuable players on our team, um, one of the most improved in the league. Uh, his, his presence as a quote-unquote vet uh, on the team was huge and important. He was always a steadying force on the floor. You liked his uh, his willingness to shoot more threes. He shot, uh, let's see, 3.8 threes per game for 36%, uh, averaged 12 points per game, uh, almost six rebounds and almost four assists. So uh, there was those games where you'd get 15, five, and five from Kyle, and, you know, those became known as the Kyle Anderson games. And, um, I, man, if you're, if you're choosing between Kyle Anderson and Justice Winslow going forward, they're, they're somewhat of the same style of player. Um, and you've, you've got an option to have them both under contract for next year and almost be like a, a Joker-style tryout from the Dark Knight where, you know, one man's going to be left standing at the end of the season and 
I wouldn't be shocked if it was Kyle. I mean, Winslow is just maybe a more athletic version of him, but Kyle's proven that he can knock that three down. And if Winslow can't do that, I don't see how you can pick Winslow over Kyle going forward. I agree with that. And yeah, I was, I was on board of, you know, who's getting traded at the trade deadline. It was like Kyle and Gorgie. Those were the two guys that you saw going elsewhere. Gorgie was released. So he wasn't traded, but, and Kyle was, they kept him on and all season long, honestly, I kept waiting for that bubble to burst with Kyle Anderson. I'm like, eventually this is going to stop. And it didn't. And he showed true leadership on the team, especially in the playoffs. Cause you saw him yelling at his guys. It wasn't necessarily like, what are you doing type stuff? It was like, come on guys, you know, we're better than this. Get into the game. We got this kind of encouraging the young guys. And he's one of those guys you want in the locker room, uh, his type of presence. Justice Winslow, I know we'll probably talk about him separately in a little bit, but if I had to choose, it definitely would be Kyle Anderson right now, just because of the leadership he's shown, the consistency, the willingness to adapt his play to whatever group of guys are on the floor. Like he can, he can handle the ball if he wants to, or it can be, he can play the four, you know, it, you got a lot of uh, stuff you can do with Kyle and he adapts pretty well with whoever's on the floor with them. You don't have to worry about, is he the right fit with this lineup? He's going to adapt any way you need him to. And that's the kind of guy, Swiss army knife, so to say, kind of guy you want to have on your team that you can plug and play pretty much any time during the game. Uh, and, you know, we saw his fast break. It's uh, the slowest fast break in the league. <laughs> But it works. Um, A caveat with keeping Kyle going forward is you don't keep him as a starting three. He's not a three. The numbers show that he's not a three. He's at his best, and the team is at his best when he's at the four. And if this season is or was for data accumulation, the data shows that Kyle needs to be at the four for the teams to be successful and for Kyle to be successful if they trot him out next year at the starting three, what data are they looking at is what I want to know. I, Dylan Brooks is, is very obviously best at the three for this team. Um, if, you're, if you're running out of, of Valanciunas and Jaron Jackson Jr. starting lineup next year, um, and then you slide in the Grayson or the Desmond Bain or whoever at the two uh, to spread the floor after that. But, yeah, Kyle is um, – I see him being on this roster going forward. I don't see him being traded in the offseason. Uh, I read something today from somebody at ESPN that said there's not going to be – since the free agent class is so weak, the trade market is going to be crazy this offseason um, for teams jockeying for 2022 uh, cap space. And, um, you know, there's obviously rosters that need to be retooled at like the Trailblazers and the Mavericks. They, they need to be shaped up and, and they need to look different. So, you know, I, I'd imagine Kyle would fit on a number of teams, but I think his price went way up this year. Um, as did, I don't know. Well, we'll, let's talk about Valanciunas. I had Sam Quinn from CBS Sports on here one day after he didn't vote for Valanciunas to be a top 100 uh, player in the NBA, and I asked him about it. And he said that Valanciunas was a great regular season player but was going to be exposed in the playoffs. And I went to bat to the death for Jonas Valanciunas all season long. And Sam looked like he nailed it. It, it yeah. looks like Valanciunas is a, is a phenomenal regular season player. And he's still a good player in the playoffs, but his weaknesses are so detrimental in the half court. Uh, and that's what, but what's what playoff basketball is, man. You're not out and running and, and taking advantage of the things that you were doing with Valanciunas 
Now he's just he's such a liability on defense that if, if your goal as a franchise next year is a playoff push, I, I'm not so sure Fallon Shunas at the starting center is an answer. But at the same time, with Jaron Jackson Jr.'s just horrendous rebounding, <laughs> it's a give and take, you know? Like, I, I don't know. Fallon right. Ball, had a career year. Um, he was awesome, set some records for the Grizzlies. Um, I just don't know what to do with him. And I think what the Grizzlies do with Valanciunas may actually directly impact what they're thinking with Kyle Anderson. Like, if they want Kyle Anderson to play the four, well, Jaron would probably have to switch to the five. If they think Jaron's their five of the future, to look to move Valanciunas. I don't necessarily think that Valanciunas yet is a guy to come off the bench. Um, a lot of people were talking about how Valanciunas was outmatched by Rudy Gobert, and I don't necessarily think it was Gobert. It was the inability to, yeah, the inability to come up on the screens, and mm-hmm. he got burned time and time again on that. If you want to say anything about his matchup with Rudy Gobert, I think they should have given him the ball more on the offensive end to make Gobert work, get him in foul trouble, you know, make him pick up a foul or two by because Jonas showed in game one they could do that. They when they went to him, it felt like that the, the Grizzlies were able that opened up a little bit more for the Grizzlies to do stuff. But the defense, like, yeah, he was exposed. And a lot of teams are going to smaller lineups and he'll get exposed even more with more athletic bigs. But there's still a spot in the league uh for guys like Jonas. The Grizzlies just got to figure out if they want to do that or if they just want to keep moving ahead with smaller, more athletic lineups. Uh, I love Jonas. I think that he's still underrated in this league. He finally got some uh, got some run, but his stock was just like a roller coaster all season because we did see it at times where he was exposed on the pick and roll, but all of a sudden, you know, it didn't matter because he's putting up 30 and 20 or, you know, 2020, and he just so many double doubles that it just kind of negated that. He was able to give them some, the Grizzlies something inside. He was giving them something on the offensive end, but in the playoffs, that was their downfall. I mean, uh, among other things, but that was the most glaring thing was his inability to uh, guard the pick and roll. And that's, you know, that's basic basketball right there. And the Grizzlies have to figure out a way to deal with quicker lineups. I think, too, your decision with Jonas Valanciunas comes down to um, your coach. You know, I'm not talking get rid of Ted Jenkins, but I'm talking about is is he – (laughs) <laughs> is he going to be able to make the adjustments in a game where they're getting killed like that and take him out and understand that his rebounding, like his rebounding advantage is, is negated by Rudy Gobert. So if that's the only advantage that he gives you and then he's killing and it's negated and then he's getting you killed on defense, you've got to switch it up. Yeah. Um, and he, he didn't do that. He rode with his guy because I mean, Valentino's is a competitor. He's a fighter. He brings the energy out there. He's a leader on the floor. I get it. But Xavier Tillman would have better better fit at times. I think. I think if we would have kept Gorgie Dane, that was a perfect series for him to be the the big off the bench. Um, you should have given Brandon Clark more chances. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. showed flashes of great defense on the pick and roll with his drop coverage. Um, but you, you can't you can't continue to use Valanciunas that way in the, in the playoffs and it, and it work out for you. He's interesting because he does have an expiring contract going into this next next season. So with all these teams jockeying for 
um, cap space, these big market teams, is there a scenario where Valentunas is traded as an expiring contract uh, to another team that wants to get off a, a multi-year deal uh, and, and part with a young player uh, or a pick or something to get, I mean, let's be real. These teams that want the cap space and are competing at the same time could use that guy off the bench. Like Valanciunas in a playoff series off the bench is, is, is a good guy to have off the bench, but to, to play him 30 minutes um, where they're constantly destroying you and picking on you, it ain't going to work. Let's see. Let's let's go with let's go with Jaron. Obviously, his uh, he had 11, 11 games in the regular season, and then had five in the playoffs, and it didn't look great. But it's a pass. Like anybody that I had somebody text me, and he's going to leave us in this podcast, and he's going to text me that I said something about what he said, but I'm not going to call his name out. He said that Jaron's the most overrated Grizzly of all time. What? Yeah. The most overrated Grizzly of all time is what he said. And he said until he learns how to rebound, that's that's how he's going to be viewed. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know about all that. Um, I, I think it's just it's one of those deals, you know, all right, I'm a school teacher. And Mississippi Department of Education gave a free pass to students uh, at the beginning of COVID, so that that first spring semester when when the whole world shut down, um, every kid was passed, whether they were fell in the class or not. It was a, it was a free pass because it was something that was out of their control. Um, they weren't going to hold them against them. Whatever. Same thing here. Give the kid a pass. He is still super young. He has shown flashes of what he can do. Yes, he needs to get stronger. He needs to focus on rebounding a little bit more. Um, but give him this offseason where he's not rehabbing from a surgery. Let him get stronger. Let him find his shot. And I still believe that he can be a monster in this league. Yeah. I, as a person that worked uh, on the Grizzlies postgame shows during uh, the Great Grind era, I'll say the most overrated Grizzly of all time has got to have the same initials as James Johnson. I mean, people said he put him in the starting lineup and the Grizzlies going undefeated. Uh, James Johnson, fine player. I just think he was a tad overrated by the fan base. So if we're going to go overrated, most overrated Grizzly of all time, hopefully he doesn't hear this because he can kick my teeth in. But <laughs> we're going to go with James. The old so, neck tattoo. Yeah, yeah. He was always a nice dude, but I never wanted to be on his bad side either. Uh-uh. So I'm just saying, like, the fan base, like I said, fine player, could block threes. He could slam it down. He was good. He was fine. He was a great player. But he was the most overrated Grizzly if I'm – we're taking votes here. Um, yeah, Jaron Jackson. The Grizzlies do have to figure out what they're going to do. Are they he after next season? He's a restricted free agent, I believe. So the Grizzlies have to figure out: do they want to throw the max at him in this offseason? or they want to see if, or do they want to see what they can get if he can what stay do you healthy? Do? What do you do if you're the GM? Are you throwing a max extension at Jaron Jackson Jr. right now? Man, look at Christoph Porzingis. Yeah, I know that's the thing. The other unicorn in the league, you know, the guy that was also that was initially called the unicorn was Porzingis, and then Jaron Jackson Jr. came. Now he's the unicorn. Maybe we should ca- stop calling people with the unicorn because it's cursed. James Wiseman, the next player that was called the unicorn. What do all three of those guys have in common? 
They've had injuries and mm-hmm. they've underperformed. So let's just not call players a unicorn because it's bad luck. Um, yeah, that's the thing. I don't, you're rolling the dice. Um, but in Memphis, you got to roll the dice, right? Right. Yeah. You got to. But here's, here's what I think. He's restricted. So yeah. when he goes into his next contract, you, you let somebody else throw the money at him, then you've got a whole year to see if he's worth whatever somebody offers, and then you can match. And you've got the bird rights on him, so it, it's not going to affect – You know, I mean, you can go over cap for that if you, if you have to, but I, I'm not comfortable throwing the max at him yet because – Will they gonna, have bird rights on him? We will by that point. Three years in the league, you get bird rights. Okay. I was thinking it was five years. So that's a, I think it's early point. bird rights at three, and then okay. it might be five as the full bird rights. Five with um, the same team or something yeah, like that. Yeah, five with the five same the team. the league and three with the same team. or I don't know. Sounds right. Um, so, I, I wait. And it's it's a prove-it year. You know, prove, you know, we'll throw the max at you um, if you can prove it next year that you can stay healthy and that uh, you are what we think you are. But if you're healthy and you stay healthy and you're still doing what you're doing right now, we yeah. may we may let another team spend all that money on you. Well, I think it's some of it has to do with confidence. Like I don't think his confidence was quite there uh, this season. I mean, yeah, he was shooting a lot of threes, and that's got to that's got to stop. Or he's got to make more of them because there are a lot of threes. Which like Jaron shot another three and yeah. he goes in, but that means he's like one of five, so he's going to heat check. <laughs> so he's one of six. So hanging out with Dylan he, Brooks too much. He's, he's got to do that, but also I think it's also on Grizzlies management. If y'all are if they're thinking about possibly throwing the max at him or whatever, they need to play him where they see him in the future. Like don't throw him again at the four. If they see Jonas letting him go after this season, don't have Jaron play another full season at the four. You got to, or if he is going to be the four, throw Tillman in there at the five. If that's what you see, the Grizzlies have to figure out what they're doing with the future. I know this year was all about data accumulation, it's going to be interesting in this offseason to see where their head's at on where they actually see their future going. Because, honestly, I don't see them a whole season with Jonas that they're thinking about getting letting him walk. you got to figure that out as well. Like, yeah. you got to yeah. – with the money situation here with Jaron, you got to figure out where you see him fitting in in the future. And I think that's another thing that Grizzlies have to look at. Because if he's going to be a five, he needs to play more at the five. He needs to start at the five at some times. He's going to be the four. Figure out who's going to be the five. If you, it's all about whether or not Jonas is going to walk or trade or whatever, and what you see Jaron being. Because if he is, I think Jaron needs to put on a little bit more weight. Because uh, he's going to get knocked around, and he's got to get better at rebounding. And I know that some people talk about team rebounding. That you know, some rebounding is an overrated stat in the NBA because you know. Shots are missed, and everybody's going to get a rebound on missed shots, but... Utah Jazz didn't miss no freaking shots. Right. (laughs) And and That's true. uh, (laughs) Jaron's got to get better. I mean, if that's the case, Jaron should have better numbers every once in a while, and he's just not. Like, he... he, His rebounding was bad. Yeah, so uh, he was the second worst on court plus minus on our team. Any guess of who was the worst? Uh, Justice. 
No, he was third worst. Um, was it Dylan? Was that, is that is that what you're setting me up for here? <laughs> no, Dylan was like third best. Oh, great. Uh, Sean McDermott. Oh, he could have given me twelve guesses. He would have been my thirteenth. Uh, yeah, Jaron was a minus twelve when he was on the court this year. That's tough. Um, Justice was a minus five, and then let's let's move to our next player who is shocked. This surprised me that he was a minus overall in the season. That's Desmond Bain. Would have never guessed that. No. Um, uh, it was it was barely, but it was still a minus. Um, I was outside of his his handles, which at the beginning of the season were loose. Um, uh, he he didn't seem to have great control of the ball. Uh, it seemed as if he improved on that throughout the season, but his ability to score off the dribble was impressive. Um, his passing ability was impressive. Um, stuff that I didn't know he had in in the arsenal. And dude, he's a freaking sniper. Um, he his biceps are the size of the basketball, um, and so yeah. his it makes his form look a little weird, but it's fluid and it's smooth. Um, and he could threaten some grizzly three point shooting records um, down the road if he's somebody that's not dangled um, as trade bait. Which you finally get a sharpshooter on the Grizzlies franchise that's been dying for one, hopefully you don't turn around and, and ship him off somewhere, which I don't think they will, that he will. But here's my thing with, with Bain. His wingspan matters. Um, and he's got T-Rex arms um, compared to, uh, you know, these guys in the league that are like pterodactyls. Um, so I, I was highly impressed with him. I, you know, I didn't understand the hype on Twitter when – I hadn't done my research on him. Obviously, Sean Coleman had and some other guys had done the research on him. But when they said Desmond Bain at the 30th and I saw Twitter go nuts, I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, cool. Um, But he was great. Uh, Yeah, I think maybe his plus – first of all, individual plus minus is something on a game-by-game basis I find is a little bit of a misleading stat because it really depends on who you're on the court with. And I think Mm -hmm. this might be one of those examples because when he was starting, it was because the Grizzlies were shorthanded. And when he was coming off the bench, I mean, who, who who was he on the court with when he was coming off the bench? He's with the bench unit. So, I mean, maybe, you know, there, there were a lot of games down the stretch in which the Grizzlies bench unit just didn't show up. And Desmond Bain did hit a lull, but, I mean, he's a rookie. Most rookies hit a lull in the season. They hit a rookie wall. And I don't think he necessarily hit a wall because we saw him make shots uh, against Utah. And like you said, he is a sniper. And the one thing that I – was surprised about was how fast he got downhill i even tweet about it at one of the games like i didn't realize he was that fast he just outran everybody and somebody you're not going to get in front of a tank when they're coming full speed down the lane especially like that so his his big frame is going to also benefit that i just would like to see a little bit more on the offensive end than just his three-point shooting because he can get to the bucket now like i said i was surprised how quick he got downhill but uh, maybe that's not what they want from him. Maybe they're just like, hey, go in there, knock down the three. I mean, I, that's fine with me because the Grizzlies need somebody like that. But yeah, I was but impressed. Were you not at the point in the season where we were dying for Desmond Bain to get more attempts? Like, 
the yeah. percentage the percentage he was shooting at, he should have been leading the team in three point three point attempts. It just yeah. it, it just doesn't make sense to me that if you're crying that this is a data accumulation season and the data is right in front of your freaking face, you're not making the adjustments to it. So like next season, the first thing I'm looking for is like, all right, we learned all this last season. What the heck are you going to do with it now? Um, Maybe it so, was more, more that he's a rookie and he just didn't have uh, – he wasn't as trigger happy as other players. And he just – I don't know. I, maybe that was just – it was just him. Maybe he was scared to pull the tr- – I don't know. Because, yeah, it did feel like sometimes, you know, he knocked down two threes right off the bat and then he wouldn't get another three until, you know, two quarters later. And you're like, why is that? And he just got to be a little more – confident i don't even know if it's confidence on that it's just like he's more willing to shoot the three when when he's got the look i don't care if he's a rookie man pull that yeah just do it um speaking of rookies let's talk about the other one xavier tillman senior i'm gonna let you go first on on uh rookie dunker <laughs> well i mean he he surprised me as well um I think he's got a definite future with the franchise. Uh, I know halfway through the season when people were asking to trade Jonas to uh, see if, you know, Tillman and Jackson, are they the front court of the future? I think Tillman will definitely have uh, a future with the Grizzlies. Um, I was surprised at how quick on defense he was. Like uh, on the pick and roll, he was able to get up there and uh, disrupt shooters better than Jonas was. And I don't see many guys his size knocking down corner threes in this league. And it feels like, you know, normally when a guy like that's shooting the corner three, I'm like, what are you doing? And he knocked down a big one. Well, it's against Golden State. Was it mm-hmm. Golden State or San Antonio? It was Golden yeah. State. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was Golden State. And he's not afraid to do it. Um, he looked actually, I guess, wise beyond his years, maybe. I mean, he looked older than he actually is. Hey, being, being a dad will do that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he has a little gray hair already too. So, <laughs> but, uh, I, I was surprised about how well he played. I wasn't expecting to see that much. I thought he'd be a little slower to pick up the NBA game, and you know, towards the end of March, I guess we were get, seeing a lot of uh, Tillman DNP uh, coaches' decisions. But he basically forced Jenkins' hand into making him play, uh, and it, it worked out for him. I think the experience he gained will uh, will help him next season and beyond. I just think he I, – I want the Grizzlies to hold on to him. I, I I like him. I think he fits well with this team. Um, and he's played with Jaron Jackson before, so that, that helps too. you got the Michigan State connection. I just think he's got a bright future with the Grizzlies. Hopefully they, they hold on to him. So I feel like Tillman is what you were hoping Jarrell Martin was going to be. That's fair. When, yeah, I forgot when, about Jerome Martin already. <laughs> when you took or, – or even Jarnell Stokes. Like, when you took yeah. those – when those type guys, I think Tillman is what you were envisioning those guys to be. Um, I, I think his – dude, his ability to hit the floater is unreal. Like, yeah. he shouldn't be hitting that shot. The touch that he has for his size is is very nice. Um, but like you said, his his feet on defense, it's like these Tom Izzo bigs defensively man they can move um and he he looks every part of maybe not the playmaking version of Draymond Green but the the defensive um just smart basketball player um I absolutely believe that he has a a future with with it definitely in the NBA 
um, and hopefully with the Grizzlies. I, and I believe um, that he combined with Kyle Anderson make Brandon Clark expendable. Um, you know, we're all, you know, outside of Sean Coleman, we were all like, don't trade Brandon Clark, don't trade Brandon Clark. Like, he's the third most untouchable player on this team uh, behind John Jaron. But then you you saw what all Tillman can do because Tillman can bang and guard the big guys when Brandon Clark would just get pushed around. Um, Tillman can hit that mid-range shot that Brandon Clark is hitting. Tillman can rebound maybe better than Brandon Clark. He doesn't have the explosive, you know, second, you know, hop after a, a miss, you know, putback. And Tillman can spread the floor shooting from the corner this year better than Brandon Clark did. Um, so it's it's almost like you've got a duplicate you got a duplicate type player between Anderson and Winslow, and you're borderline a duplicate type player between Tillman and Clark, except that Tillman's the below the rim kind of guy where Clark is the high flyer. Speaking of Clark, a weird stat on him is that he actually led our team in and ones. Despite all the limited playing time, he had more and ones than anybody else on our roster, um, which I found pretty interesting. But uh, as a rookie, you know, we call them those rookie veterans, these guys that come in uh, right away, ready to play. And he he did that. And to be honest, would we have seen him at all this year if Jaron was healthy all season? I mean, he was We behind. saw him coming South Haven. Yeah, that's where we would have seen him. Um, and I think he would have dominated so hard down there that he would have found his way into the lineup of the Grizzlies at some point um, as well. So let's let's transition to Brandon. Um, obviously, he he dealt with his own injuries at times. Um, it wasn't the same season that he had uh, his rookie year where he was you know setting records for efficiency and and this kind of stuff. But he still shot fifty five percent from the field. Um, his three-point percentage was putrid. Um, you know, he shot 57% from the field and 26% from three. Um, his rebounds were at 5.6. So he's rebounding at the same rate uh, as Jaron is, but, you know, he's off the bench. Um, and so Brandon, 10 points, 5, 5.6 rebounds, uh, almost a block per game didn't foul a whole lot. Like, he, he still gave you a decent season. I think the problem is that you were so used to seeing him be, like, elite at, at yeah. a skill last year that because he wasn't, um, because the league had a whole season to figure him out and what he wants, you know, the spots that he wants to get to, and he came off an injury. Uh, I think people are being a little too hard on him. Um, I don't think he's a, a throwaway yet. I think he's somebody that is still very much part of the future for the team. Yeah, I think he went from untouchable to solid rotation guy. Um, I, I feel like some people even threw him as a possibility of being like, you know, Jaron, John, Brandon Clark. That's the future built around them. I don't necessarily see that as uh, Brandon Clark anymore, but I see him part of the future. And he's he's consistent. He's efficient. He's athletic. He gives you all these things that you look for in a guy, but I don't necessarily think that he's, you know, that important where you can't get rid of them. Uh, when we were talking about Tillman, I would be a little more upset if they got rid of Tillman instead of Clark, just because Tillman's the type of guy where I could see him thriving if he went somewhere else. Whereas Brandon Clark, I think he, he, he'll he be fine. He'll be good. But I don't see him necessarily taking a next step up from what he is as a Grizzly if he goes to the perfect situation somewhere else. I just see him, this is the type of player he is. And it's not bad. 
It's just, he didn't take the step up that a lot of people I think expected him to take. And I know it has to do with injuries and also whatever he did with but, the shot. But what step is he going to take? Like what, what? No, more? he's not. No, I'm not. Yeah. I just feel like other people thought that he might take another step by getting more playing time or they might see something different with another year in the league. But as old as he is, I don't see him improving that much anymore. I think Brandon Clark is what you saw is what you see. I mean, as you said, you know, he was, he was still, he shot well from the field, didn't shoot well from three point. He gives you what you expect from him. And he's not going to give you that much more. He's not going to give you that much less. He's fine. He's a fine player, but is he going to win you a championship? No. Hey, I mean, off a, off a bench, I think he's a guy that will give you the minutes on a, on a contending team, but yeah, you can, you can switch him with lineups too. Like, you know, I do think he should play more against Utah because he is athletic and he does have the hops and he can get down low and bang for rebounds. But I just don't think that he's like the difference maker that we, some of us made him out to be. I mean, I was guilty. I put him as the number one Grizzly uh, for the future rankings besides Jaron and Ja. I, I'm not the only one, but I did put that. So, you know, but it, but it could still be true. Like it could still be true. It's a COVID year. Like it's, it's just a unique year. Like, yeah, you could be future, right. still. future rankings. Yes. Still possibility. And number two was D'Anthony Melton. And, you know, we saw things from him as well that, you know, maybe come <laughs> pull back on that a little bit as well. So it's interesting. It's all it. I just don't think Brandon Clark is, he's going to reach the ceiling that a lot of people tried to put him on the pedestal people tried to put him on of being, you know, untouchable when it comes to getting another player, especially some of the names that have been floated around. Like before the season started, it was like, would you include him in a trade with Bradley Beal? Some people would say no. Now I'm like, yes, 100%. yes, <laughs> yes, hundred percent. Yes. We don't want to be the team. That's, we don't want to be the Miami heat getting made fun of because we want to hang on to Tyler hero. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, Brady Clark's fine, but don't make him more than he already is. I mean, he's not. He's not Bradley Bill. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> no, no. But would you give up Would you give him up for C.J. McCollum? No, I would not. Mm, what else is with that? Uh, that, that, that does matter, but I, I don't want any part of C.J. Um, no, I think he's fine with Damian Lillard, but no. Yeah. All not right. Bradley Bill either. You brought up you brought up DeAnthony Melton, so I'll let you jump in with him. Yeah, I, I just think you know I, I said he was number two on the uh, future rankings. We saw that he's a sharp he can be a sharpshooter, but he can also go into cold spells and extended cold spells. But we saw like he came out of it in Game Four, and the Grizzlies needed it most of then, and I mean they still weren't able to win. But you know he he gave them that glimmer of hope that they're able to come back almost almost won it for him. Um, I don't know. Um, Even for his rough stretch, like he still ended the season shooting forty-one percent from three. Yeah, because when he's on fire, like he's he doesn't miss. No. That's the thing. If, if that's what you get, you get the good and you get the bad. And he, he he's pretty good defensively. I mean, he's one of the better defensive players for the Grizzlies. So it's nice to have that. He's not just uh, he's not just a guy you should throw out there for threes and provides nothing else. I mean, if you look at his stats when on games he wasn't hitting. He's still filling up the stat sheet. I mean, for, for a bench player, you know, we'll get you four rebounds. We'll get you five assists. We'll get you a couple steals. I mean, he's he's not out there giving you nothing when he's missing shots. It's just 
No, but he he led the team in plus minus. Yeah, I mean he's he's always giving you something. I mean, Mister Do Something. I mean, that's, he's always doing something on the court. Yeah, it's just when we saw him hitting, and he was, you know, we kind of thought like this is a dude that's going to be your Jamal Crawford or your Lou Williams or your Jordan Clarkson, a guy that you can rely on to come off the bench, knock down some shots in a in a short amount of time, and when the and give the starters a little bit of a breather and. He was able to do that at times, and then other times he couldn't. He couldn't buy a bucket. Yeah. Me. So the stretch that I think we're all talking about is uh, started with that Boston game, where they won by six um, on March twenty second, where he went three for five, and the next game he went four for six, and then he went two for three, and then four for seven, four for six, four for six, like, and then he got hurt, um, yeah. and so like when he came back that first game, it was six for 10. Uh, but then it was tough for him after that. Um, he shot 500 or better one, two, three more times, but that was, there was about 10 games in that stretch. Um, so yeah, he can, it's almost like he is when you get the nuclear Dylan where he just can't miss anything. It's like the same thing with Milton. He just, it's all or nothing at times with him. But like you said, when he's nothing, he gives you something else. Um, whereas there's other players on this team who we'll talk about <laughs> next, Grayson Allen, that when he's not hitting shots, he ain't giving you anything. Um, right. Grayson plays decent defense, but it's not the Anthony Melton defense. No. Um, I think Melton is, is a player that can put on a little bit more weight as well um, and and deal with some with switches onto a little bit bigger players. Um, but – it, it almost looked like the the mental side of the game, he was he was sped up in the playoffs. Like the moment was too big for him defensively because there was a clear strategy that, I, on another note, I completely disagree with switching everything against Utah. But there were a lot of miscommunications between Dylan and either Grayson or DeAnthony about the switch, and somebody was left wide open. Um, and as we saw, Utah was not missing um anything after the first game so i I think melton has moved up um as far as his importance of the core going forward um i'm writing out my player uh review on him and i'm excited to look at his his just growth from you know last year and his year in phoenix and uh where he is now and, and kind of try to preview what he could be going forward i think he's an important piece off the bench and they are very clearly only interested in bringing him off the bench because all the opportunities they had to start him, they yeah. refused. And I have a rookie, Desmond Bain, over him too. I don't get it. Maybe it's maybe it is they they see him as the sixth man. I don't know. I mean, we all thought that he could possibly be that sixth man guy consistently. He he did he did a nice span of games, which he did, and then other games it just wasn't there, and then. Like Jenkins wasn't really even playing him at the beginning of the season either. So we don't really have a full season of data accumulation of what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So and I don't know. It's, it, it was weird. The, the, it's like Grayson would get hurt. DeAnthony would thrive. DeAnthony would get hurt. Grayson would thrive. And like, they couldn't both play at the same time. And like, for whatever reason, Jenkins refused to go to an 11 man rotation for, for a while, even though he did last year with the worst roster. Um, and we'll transition this to Grayson now. Um, it's almost like 
and people made the joke that Grayson was Taylor's son and um, he was just had a blind spot when it came to him and he just kept throwing him in there. And I guess but I get it. It's just got to be Taylor's son if, if there's any player in the league. Little, that's his little brother, yeah, right. man. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Grayson, I, I get the, the theory behind it. He's the J.J. Reddick type where he gets hot early in a quarter. And when he does, he can get you three or four threes um, pretty quick. And yeah. he's and he's shown that, but you you start him in a game, you're running for six minutes, and I wouldn't I wouldn't bring him back until the start of the second half, where he'll give you you know a little hot start again, and then be done with him because defensively, while he gives effort and he tries and he plays hard, um, he he just doesn't have it all the time, um, and I, he's not the Mister Do Something. He's not contributing elsewhere when his shot's not falling. I think maybe even go more um start Bain next season have Melton as your two off the bench and then have Grayson start the second and fourth quarters because I mean like you said he's if he's not starting hot he's not giving you anything and with the second and fourth quarters I mean that's normally when you see a lot of the bench guys come in and get their run he can give you something at times I don't think he's necessarily unplayable, which I've seen a lot of people, not a lot, but I've seen a decent amount of people say, Grayson should be playing at all. I don't necessarily think that. And there are games where he scored 20-plus points, and he was playing well on defense. I, I think that there are certain instances where he can play well and thrive, but he can't do it at, in more than, like, three or four minutes at a time. Like, you have to spread it out. Like you said, you can't keep him in – I mean, he, I don't even think he can play six minutes at a time because he'll give you quick quick minutes off the bench, quick points, start in the second and fourth quarter, and then you can bench him. I mean, I, I wouldn't be against having him as the third two coming off the bench. Well, it's just like J.B. Bickerstaff was always playing Shelvin Mack, and we never understood <laughs> <laughs> why he stayed in the game. Um, the other the other dookie in the backcourt um, off the bench is Tyus Jones and – you know, I, I think people soured on him because his efficiency was down, just like Brandon Clark's, and I think that's still an overreaction. Um, people still got to remember the circumstances of this season um, with the no fans, the COVID, and then the condensed schedule in the second half, the small offseason to get ready for all this, the lack of practices, all that stuff matters. And I think Tyus Jones is fine. He still provides a lot for this team off the bench. He's still the best backup point guard in Grizzlies history. Um, and I, I don't see them making a move off of him unless they feel like they can make it work with Grayson, Melton, and Winslow and Anderson running the secondary ball handling. Um, and, and it may come down to who you trade for if they do make a trade. If you trade for some star that you – like a Malcolm if – you, if you get Malcolm Brogdon and you're staggering Morant in his minutes, you don't need Ty Jones anymore. At right. that point, he's you know he's he's done. In but a if, pinch, you could get Kyle Anderson to run a point in a pinch. Yeah, in a pinch. But if you're not going to make that kind of move this year, he's still going to be a very valuable piece because he's probably a top two to three backup point guard in the entire NBA, um, based on what he produces and how he doesn't kill you. Yeah, and I think we're going to see Jaws' minutes increase next season as well. So you won't be asking Tyus to do as much. I mean, what Jaws average? You said forty minutes in the playoffs. Uh -huh. I'm not seeing that next season. He'll but probably I played thirty-five. Yeah, and that you get Tyus off the bench for ten to fifteen minutes a game. 
I mean, I'm fine with that. Uh, you have, like you said, he's one of the top three, top five backup point guards in the league. He can hold his own for that. He can go against other defenses. He's got that floater. As long as the floater's working, we saw it not work a little bit towards the end. But he was also, when they were data accumulation, he was getting DMPs. And I think that help, hurts as well. Yeah. And the whole Winslow experiment, you know, that's no yeah. fault to his own. And, I, and I'm sure they had the conversation with him as to why oh, yeah. they were He's doing it. Yeah. So let, let's talk about Winslow, the other dookie on the, on the roster. <laughs> For me, it's another free pass. Like, y- y- you threw him in the fire and trying to get him to go to an NBA pace when he hasn't been there in, in forever. Um, we've seen what he can do in Miami especially yeah. when he was the primary point guard when Drogic was down. Like, the dude can play basketball. I am sick of the people that are just dogging him when he hasn't been healthy. First of all, what he does on the court in the NBA coming off his injury is still ten times better than whatever you would do on the court in the NBA. So you can just shut up and chill out. Um, <laughs> You're getting fired up over him. <laughs> like <laughs> – it's just it's, it's unnecessarily hard on somebody that had so many circumstances go against him that were out of his control. Um, he was patient with the the rehab program. Things didn't go well for him. He was still a good teammate. Um, he fits in, in, in the culture really well. And from what everybody says in the bubble, he looked phenomenal and he was healthy. So let's give him this offseason, whether it's a decline his option and re-sign him for cheaper on a, you know, on a, you know, team-friendly deal, or you just let it play out and you either extend him before the contract extension deadline or you trade him as a expiring contract for somebody um, if he doesn't work out. But you got to see if he works out. And you don't look at this season and the data you accumulated with him and you, you, you just throw all that out because he he's just rhythm, man. He wasn't in it. He couldn't find it. Yeah, Um I had somebody today uh, talk to me about justice and they're like, just let him go. I'm like, what are you going to do with that money? He's like, I don't know. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, I, that's like one of the things that, that one of my biggest pet peeves, I don't like your idea. Oh yeah. What's your idea? Oh, I don't have one. I just don't like yours. Oh, okay. Isn't that what marriage is though? Uh, well, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> no, that's always, you're right, honey. I am wrong. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean that's I, I just don't I don't get what why, why you wouldn't just see what you got, just go for it. I mean, like you said, what are you doing with the money? Probably nothing. Probably nothing big. You're not going to make a big enough splash. You're not going to add that quote missing piece to get you to the next level. See what you got. See if he is a uh, part of the future. If he's worth the money, and if it's not, he's gone after next season. Yep. I think it's fine. No harm, nope. no foul. No consequence. No. So I, I, I'm fine with it. And I agree with you. He's got a pass this season. If he does the same next year. People can, you know, complain about all they want. They did. They'll have a right to, you know, okay, well, Justice Winslow isn't that great. And I'm sure Jenkins will probably just put him on the bench or they'll trade him for an ex- get rid of the expiring contract for a team that wants one. Right. Um, so let's let's talk about the end of the bench here. You've got Tim Frazier, who's obviously not going to be back, so we're not even going to waste our time on him. Jonte Porter, they bring him back or they let him go? Uh, I think they let him go. I think so too. Whether it's just cut him, wave him, or or trade him in some package, um, 
Sean McDermott, I don't, I don't see him being back in any form or fashion. He's terrible. Um, I'm, I know he's a friend of GBB because he came on the podcast with with Parker and Brandon, but the dude was garbage. Um, friend of the program, straight trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one that I'm interested in is Killian Tilly. Um, you know, I, I don't see this much in the NBA. I don't know. I haven't looked it up. Not too many teams bring a guy back for a second year on a two-way. It seems that they either bring him up to the big club or they let him go to, you know, pursue other opportunities. Um, I don't I don't know that Tilly is somebody that I'm ready to hand one of my roster spots, which would be the Tim Frazier or Jonte Porter spot. Um but I don't know if I'm ready to let him walk either um, because they played him in lineups where he was the freaking three. And, you know, he was able to move at least. And so if if you're not planning on Valanchunas being an answer down the road, I think Tilly's somebody that is a good third big, uh, you know, third five off the bench. But if he can play three through five, I think, I think he's an interesting option to kind of see uh, how he plays out over the next couple of years. What do you see happening with Tilly? I liked what I saw from him in limited action. I didn't, I didn't see any hustle games or anything like that. I didn't see, you know, but I do think that uh, I, th- I think he's worth, you know, seeing what else you can get from him. I mean, I, I think he's going to be on the roster. I agree with you. I just, it'll be interesting to see if they do designate him as a two-way player or if they just give him the roster spot. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised either way, honestly, uh, depending on what, how free agency goes, how the draft goes, you know, who knows what, you know, you know, they may trade their their pick and pick up two draft picks or whatever, whatever they do with that. It'll be interesting to see. But I, I see him back in a in a grizzly uniform uh, next season. Yeah, and that's something people have to keep in mind with with getting rid of Frazier and getting rid of, of Porter is that you're drafting rookies, and while you can sign a rookie to a two way contract straight out of the draft, um, I think Denver did that with Bowl Bowl. Um, First round picks generally make the roster. Granted, any first round pick we take this year is probably going to play a lot of lot in South Haven. Um, yep. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it to my first Memphis Hustle game now that I'm moving back to South They're Haven. Fun. I've been to. Them. I just didn't go to any this year. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's a little different. They're so, fun. Um, so I, I think, like you said, Tilly is going to be back in some form or fashion, whether it's two way or he gets that last roster spot. And it does depend on trades, signings, draft, all that stuff. Um, John Conchar. I don't, I don't Brandon Abraham love John Conchar, but I love John Conchar. Like he is always productive when he's on the floor, period. I mean, he, he rebounds well for his size. And if you're going to go to a team rebounding concept, with Jared at the five Conchar needs to be on the freaking floor because he'll attack the rims. He'll make the right place. He's going to be in the right place at the right time. And if he was more willing to shoot, he could shoot too. Like the dude can flat out play. I want him to be back, and I wish we could see him play more minutes. But, I mean, you got to see the guys that are ahead of him. Like, he's not better than them. Right. I hope he's back. I, I'm going to go ahead and say he's going to be back. I, I just think he – you're not going to find somebody as good as he is to play at the back end of a rotation like that. He's a great guy to have at the back end of a rotation on – on an NBA roster, and I think that's the reason why he's going to be back with the Grizzlies. They're not going to let him go. They're not going to let him leave. He is the best thirteenth man in the NBA. Yes, if there was a if there was no thirteenth man <laughs> award, Conchar's got that locked up. Yeah, he's probably the best thirteenth man in, in franchise history too. Yeah, 
Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he's, he's the most underrated 13th man, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, he'd probably be an eighth or ninth guy off the uh, on a lot of teams. The I Lakers, mean, he would be. <laughs> he might be the sixth guy off. <laughs> With how they finished. The Mavericks. Man, the Mavericks. Yeah, that's another story. Yeah. That's uh that's frustrating. That that team is the one that uh ended up winning your division. And it was just because of one dude. <laughs> Real quick, uh Gorgie Jang, you know, was waived, went to the Spurs, thinking that he'd make a playoff run, and then the Grizzlies eliminated him from his playoff run. <laughs> um, I think I, I was bummed they released him. I thought he would have been valuable off the bench. Uh, in the playoffs because his ability to spread the floor. He moved a little bit better on defense than Valanciunas. And when the dude gets menace, man, he just freaking produces. I mean, he gave Valanciunas freaking work in that play-in game. Um, I, I hated to see him go, um, but at the same time, if you're accumulating data, you want to see Xavier Tillman, so I get it. Right. I mean, you get the good with the bad. I I, I wanted better for Gorgie than ending up in San Antonio. I thought maybe he could get on a roster that – that could use him a little more or have more of a chance to get to a title, but yeah. he ended up getting bounced and Portland could have used him. do what Portland could have used him. Yeah. I mean, there, there are definitely teams that could have used him yeah. uh, in the postseason that didn't get to, but uh, he was fine. I mean, I, I liked him and, but at the end of the day, I, I like Tillman more. So I'm glad we got to see what we did from Tillman this year. All right. Last and not least. Why don't you tell everybody what you told me right before we hit record? Buying a one-way ticket to uh, Dylan Brooks Island. God. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board now. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm joining the rest of uh, the Grizzly fans besides you. And uh, <laughs> DB Island's going to be lit. And then uh, everybody else is going to join after next season. Everybody's so, lit because of Parker spiking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Well, depends. Depends on if we get uh, if we get playoff Dylan Brooks all season next year. Will you join Dylan Brooks Island? (laughs) Don't put me on the spot. All right. (laughs) So, Leanna might be the only holdout after that. No, we got to have her on this off season to talk (laughs) Dylan Brooks. But if if you get playoff Dylan, which I think is unsustainable um, for an entire season. If you do get that, I, I may have a timeshare on Dylan Brooks Island. I, I can't, I cannot become a full time resident out of principle. I've, I've gone too far to, to the other side that it, it would just look really bad if I just, you know, came all the way to the other side. But what I will say is there are aspects of Dylan's game that he improved this season that um, I, I, can, I can tolerate him, whereas before I couldn't even tolerate him. Like I would get, I would feel anger in my soul when he would touch the ball on offense, <laughs> and I don't feel that way anymore. Um, progress, he yeah, had progress. Parker has pointed out several times his catch and shoot numbers. Um, and I think they're up above fifty percent, and it, it's it's that Dylan that I want to see. It's the Dylan that catches and shoot. It's the Dylan that gets to his spot on the elbow and jumps straight up and shoots. Not the fadeaways, not the the step back threes, the dribble up threes. I think the more he figures out what are his kind of shots, the the better his percentages are going to be. And I think the more that you've got Jaron back, the less touches at times is going to be for him as well. Although there were times in the playoffs where he absolutely carried us offensively um, because, as people say, he he's one of the only ones that can create a shot on offense. 
it seemed as if he was in a different level uh, during the playoffs, um, locked in. He got torched by Donovan Mitchell, but Donovan Mitchell is a player that absolutely owns him. Um, in all 10 matchups that they've played, you know, Mitchell has, has overcome Dylan Brooks. Um, but that is the more of the anomaly than the rule with DB. He did an excellent job on a lot of players this year, Damian Lillard, Luca, DeMar DeRozan, Steph Curry. Uh, he, he gave them fits uh, this year. So overall, I, hear me say this. Parker's going to print this out and post it somewhere. I was impressed with Dylan Brooks at the end of the season. It You went your full calendar year or so where he got the extension and was absolute hot garbage. Um, <laughs> but then it seemed as if he figured it out. And, I, you know, I saw Valanciunas and Anderson yell at him a couple of times in the middle of the game, like, hey, man, I, I've had enough. Uh, right. You better figure it out. But he's proven valuable. He's no longer somebody that I'm screaming, get him off the team. I, I see his worth. I, I just want to see him in a role that maximizes who he is. No, I, I agree. And I, cause I was always on the fence, like I'll visit Dylan Brooks Island, see how the weather is, see if I like it here. Uh, times I did not like it there uh, beginning of the season. I did not really like it, um, but he, he got better as the season progressed. I mean, I'm doing the uh, player uh, review on Dylan and the player preview as well. And I went back and read my player preview and he did a lot of things that I said that he needed to do. And he, that it, he didn't necessarily improve his assist to turnover ratio. It's a little bit better. Still led the league in fouls. That's something that he's got to cut back on. But when you're on the team's best player night in and night out, that's what's going to happen because that person's usually touching the ball more than anybody else in the court. Um, it's also kind of impressive on the offensive numbers they did put up while still guarding the best player on the other team or the best guard or best one, two or three on the other team, because they're going to wear you down, especially your guarding Steph Curry, Damian Lillard. You, you got all these guys that run around the court. They're trying to find the open shot. I mean, Donovan Mitchell doing the same thing. Uh, so that, that was pretty impressive. Uh, he does need to cut down on the shots early in the shot clock. Those are just wasted possessions for the Grizzlies. He did that. It felt like he did that as either a heat check or if the Grizzlies were in a slump, he thought that he could bring him out of a slump by just knocking down a three while walking the ball up the court. And that's not what the Grizzlies need. They need to make sure that they get – when they're in a slump, if they're on, they're down, the other team goes on a 10-0 run, the cure is not a Dylan Brooks pull-up three. It's, it's a quality shot just to get points on the board, get them back into rhythm. As you know, in every feed, other player needs feed Valanchunas. Feed Valanchunas, yes. Get get John a drive, you know. Do something. Get get to the free throw line. Do something like that. Uh, that's another thing. He he got better on getting to the free throw line, but he could do better than that. I mean, he can still do. You know, the pull up shots fine, but go the extra two or three steps in. Try and get that foul call. But I w- go ahead. I, w- I will say this. I was probably most confident in him knocking down a free throw than anybody else on the team this year. Yeah. I mean, he was the one that was shooting those technicals or flagrant – or he was the one that was shooting the technical free throws for the most part. He's the guy that you wanted at the free throw line, except for Grayson, who missed big yeah. shots against uh, Dallas. But whatever. You know, <laughs> I feel more comfortable with Grayson at the foul line than I would pretty much anybody besides Dylan. I, I, I honestly believe that. And um, But it is a lot more fun to watch – 
other fan bases hate Dylan as much as you hated Dylan when the season started. <laughs> Is it not? But, but here's the thing: is like these these fan bases don't know him well enough to know that their hate only fuels him. Right, right. That's the beauty of it. It's like y'all yeah. yeah, keep hating on Dylan. That's fine. You yeah, know, he, he he's gonna it soak up. it in. Yeah. But the thing that I that I hate the most with him right now, and we saw it a couple times in the playoffs, is that he makes some boneheaded foul on defense, and out of frustration, run down there on on the other side, and or no, no, not to the back. He'd make a, a dumb foul on offense, a charge, or you know, push yeah. off or something, and then he'd run down the other side out of frustration and get a hacking foul, and all of a sudden, your best defender has two fouls in in two seconds, and it's just like, come on, man! Like those are the kind of stuff where he's he's older in age than, than, you know, a lot of the guys on the team. He's been in the league longer than a lot of guys on the team, but he still like plays like a rookie sometimes um, mentally. And you kind of want to see some of those things eliminated, but all in all, like I went from, he's only ever going to be a six man to, I'm, I'm probably comfortable with him being a starting three next year um, and, and living with it because it, it seemed like he figured out shot selection a little bit more towards the end of the season. Uh, which was always my biggest concern and gripe with him was his just timing of his shot, the type of shot, all that stuff. Um, you know, and I think he'll continue to work on those uh, going forward. So last thing, if you had to pick a package of players, two or three, that's getting traded this offseason, who's gone? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, I'll say – Grayson, Brandon Clark, and Jonas. I would I would say those three, and if it's not Jonas, it could be Tyus. Yeah, depending on what you're getting back, for yeah, or what, who, who, where they're going. Yep, I think I think Grayson. If if Taylor lets him trade his son, you know who who knows <laughs> about that. More, he looks like Ted Cruz, but that's yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a, uh, a a longer episode, but we wanted to make sure we wanted to go through the roster and uh, just kind of give the feedback on on all the guys on the team. Ben, anything you want to throw out there before we sign off? No, it's uh, it's going to be a fun off season. It's it's awesome that you know we saw more growth from this Grizzlies team this year. Um, it feels like it's going to be a fun ride, uh, barring injuries. Obviously, it's great to be talking about adding the next piece or looking ahead to the future instead of like what's going to happen. Like this is not really an off season of uncertainty. It's just kind of like, it'll paint a clearer picture to where their heads are at as they move forward to what's hopefully a championship run that we hope. I mean, yeah. shout out to King Kleinman on getting his, uh, his extension. Um, yeah. so, he, so he can start, you know, figuring out his, his future. Perfect. He did. He for sure earned it. It's been a phenomenal two years for that front office. Uh, we hope that, you know, the next 10 years are just as phenomenal uh, going forward, building this team around uh, Morant and, and Jackson. Uh, it's been a fun season. Uh, if, if you're one of those that is upset with how it ended or disappointed how the team finished, uh, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> this this was a uh, success of a season for this team. Your take uh, is as trash as Sean McDermott. <laughs> <laughs> um. I believe that we will be going uh, every other week going forward with podcast episodes, um, which is uh, a little bit of a needed break for the two new dads here um, as we 
uh, head into the summer. Ben, get some. Say, uh, real quick, I know you're, but thanks for bringing me on board. I just want to no. say that before we got out of here. Yeah, like this show has gone to a different level having you here. Uh, we're going to work on having some fun guests for you uh, over the off season, heading into next year. Some some big names that we're we're going after. Hopefully, them some will say yes and and join us. I mean, heck, if we can get Bobby Marks, we can get we can get anybody, right? Yeah, I mean, he's he's as big a name as anybody. Yeah, Former front office in the NBA. I mean, come on. Yeah, and I, I believe that if we wanted to get Bobby back on, uh, we will. And I think uh, we may go try to get him after free agency settles and. Uh, we we know what we're looking at going into the into the season. Uh, well, we uh, we'll be back in in two weeks, probably talking about uh, draft previews at that point. Maybe I don't even really know. Maybe we'll just have a guest on uh, that's not Grizz related to recap. Uh, you know, a different perspective uh, on the Grizzlies. Well, for Ben, uh, I'm Justin. It's been another episode of the Three and D Pod. Mm-hmm.